We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk rolling into a brand new week along with Jesse. I'm Sean. And it looks like Tommy Guns just dipped in and dipped out. The Dean <laughs> is on spring break this week. Vince Vince is on spring break this week. So uh, no Vinny D this week. He'll be out. We've got a little bit different uh, show schedule this week. We'll be here today, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. We actually won't have a show this Wednesday because I'm going to be in Cleveland watching Bruce Springsteen. So I'm going to be over there. Looking That'll be a lot of fun for you guys. I'll chauffeur, yeah. be the taxi guy. <laughs> yeah. Don't You're not to going pay but $300 to, to sleep at a hotel. You can sleep in my bed. All the Absolutely. good stuff. Absolutely. Going to talk a little Notre Dame defense here. In a minute, we got to watch practice over the weekend. Smash the like button if you would as we get things started tonight. But uh, you were just telling me, (laughs) tell this story right before we came on. You were like starting to get into it. I said, just save it for the show because this sounds like it's a good one. So what happened on your FanDuel account? (laughs) So yesterday I hit a crazy long shot bet. And FanDuel, as soon as I, well, so I went on a walk actually while the bet was going on. Cause I was like, okay. I don't want to watch it. I want to get back home and just check my phone. Well, then I check my phone and I go to ESPN. I'm like, oh my gosh, the bet hit. Let me go to my FanDuel account. Well, then I try to log into my FanDuel account and it says that I've been locked out of my account and that I need to contact customer service. And so I contact customer service through their little <laughs> chat feature And basically, they're saying per state regulations, my account is under review for 72 hours because I hit too long of a long shot bet, essentially. What was the long shot bet? So I was was telling you this over the weekend when I was there. I've been following a lot of the first pitch data, right? And so there were three first pitch plays that I did a round robin parlay on. Basically, meaning I just needed two of them to hit. And Cal Quantrill throws a 90% first pitch strike. Julio Rodriguez for the Mariners swings at the first pitch 40% of the time. And so I sprinkled on various different bets that he would essentially put the ball in play. So there's one where he puts the ball in play and he gets out. 
There's one where he gets a single, and then there's one where he can get an extra base hit. I sprinkled okay. all of them, and I parlayed them with another game with similar uh, similar type bets. Um, Julio Rodriguez hit a first pitch home run. Wow. And that was parlayed with another situation like that. So $2 won me – a $2 bet won me $1,000 yesterday. Holy smokes. <laughs> so so your, your account is under review over a $2 bet. Yes, that anyone could have made. But it just so happened that it was such a long shot and it won me $1,000. I mean, if they're going to put these things up there, how are they going to come back on people? Because That's they what I mean. Bet. It's their own fault. I parlayed right. it. I followed the data. And it's not like it was a guarantee it was going to happen. It was just following the data and making the best outcome. And I'm actually pissed because I have $1,000 in my FanDuel that I want to bet on the championship game tonight and various other, you know, yeah. I've just been You're hot recently. Down. You're locked down. That's that's what it comes down to is you're 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 hot and now they think that you've got inside information. Yeah, I think that they think I'm like some bot or I work for you know the MLB or something, but it's just very frustrating. I've been well if I've you been, work for MLB and you're and you're betting on MLB, um you're probably gonna lose your job. So maybe that's what they're just making sure that <laughs> that you don't. I don't know. Oh man. Well that's that's awesome that it came through. Hopefully your your account is uh is unlocked here pretty soon just so you can actually take yeah they just said that you know your account get this too they're like yeah your account is under review and uh if if we find something wrong we'll reach out and let you know but if not it'll just be unlocked without any notice it's like oh great so i don't even know when yeah. it's going to become unlocked lovely lovely well so that's my betting rant for the today yeah <laughs> Now, do the other apps offer those same like this? No, the, and that's why I want FanDuel's because that's... I've been tracking the first pitch stuff this year, and I've just been really – yeah, I mean, it's just don't make the odds so crazy. It was like a plus 4,000 parlay with Holy a plus smokes. 4,000. So it was like, you know, some incredibly – that. I mean, that's why $2 won you 1,000 is because – they're going to just... make that available, they've, you know, they've got to come to grips with the fact that they're going to lose some of those. And only betting 2,000 – or $2, but winning at that, like it, it was a minimal bet. It's not like you threw even a hundred, you know, a hundred bucks on it or something, which is still a relatively small amount. So right. like if you would have thrown a hundred bucks at it. Yeah. I I'm getting nervous that they're going to get rid of these first pitch bets now. I bet they do. Because I mean, I followed data that a, a guy posts on Twitter, so I'm pretty sure other people played it as well and i'm not i know i'm not the only one that did well yesterday and that's all anyone has to do is because there are plenty you know there's plenty of data out there as we all know rob yeah Netflix i mean i would love to say about data and analytics and there's plenty of data out there and if they're going to make those those uh of, available you got to take what comes with it yeah it's like you know i i would love to sit and you know make my own data all day long but unfortunately you know i i, I tried doing that last year and it's just a lot of time and manual input and that that would be essentially your 40 you know 40 hour a week job and so mm -hmm. if someone else is going to do the legwork for you and you pay five dollars a month just to look at their data i mean what's i don't get what's wrong with that i'm just using <laughs> right. my resources that's right that's right well good luck 
Hope it works out. Maybe by the time I'm in Cleveland Wednesday, yeah, have your account back. <laughs> of course, all my friends are like, why didn't you tell the whole class about the answers? Why didn't you <laughs> let us all know? And it's like, oh, yeah, it's convenient now. But, you know, uh-huh. the, it probably won't hit 99% of the time. And everyone will get mad at me because I'm telling them what to do. Well, and, and that's the thing, money. too, is like you can make a similar bet for 100 days in a row. And the odds are that if you're lucky, what? 15 or 20% of them will actually I wouldn't even pay say off that, like, like that. five or yeah. 10%. Yeah, exactly. You just happen to hit the right one on, on the right day. So I, when I you. came back and looked at my phone and saw that that was a first pitch home run, I almost screamed. I didn't believe it, <laughs> you know, cause it's like all the data was pointing to it and that's one yeah. thing, but for it to actually happen is a completely other thing. Yeah. No kidding. And the, I guess I think the part that's the craziest as I screenshotted it right like an hour before the game, because it was the Cleveland and Mariners game. So obviously, you know, I have a bunch of friends here in Cleveland that are Guardians fans. And I told all of them, I was like, guys, I have a good feeling about this. Just sprinkle on it a little bit. And of course, no one did. And then afterwards, everyone texted me like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it happened. I was like, all I told you to do is put like, you know, two dollars on it. Well, you can't. <laughs> it's such it's so worth it. Obviously, it's just two bucks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tommy, I see Tommy put this in before he left. Sean, Vince, Jesse, do y'all wear man flops or do you rock out with your Crocs out? I have no idea what any of that means to you. <laughs> yeah, so like man flops are like the ones that are open and like it's like a, a like a oh like a, okay a so just your second toe, just like regular flip flops basically. Man, yeah, flops they're like a lot of people call them like thong flops because it like cuts you know cuts. I'm a Birkenstock guy. That's that's what I wear. Yeah. So I'd say it's like a hybrid of. I don't care for Crocs. I don't like Crocs at all. I don't. I, don't I think the main them. attraction to Crocs is that they're comfortable because they're definitely not aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I just like the slides. I guess is what I <laughs> would call what I wear. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah, you wear like athletic slides. Right. Yeah. All right. You want to talk a little football? 
You want to get into some Notre Dame football? I think we need to. You guys got to see, you know, a full indoor practice over the weekend. I think you're right. Full practice, spring onset, you know, spring practice. It was indoors, of course, because the weather was garbage here in town. But uh, full pads, there wasn't any real tackling until the last team period of the day, you know, so they didn't, you know, do anything crazy. Um, Jalen Sneed did not practice the sophomore rising sophomore linebacker. This set off, you know, kind of some unfounded speculation on the boards over the weekend. People were freaking out. He has some kind of injury though. We don't know what it is because we can only get that kind of information from Marcus Freeman. And we're not scheduled to speak with Marcus Freeman again in a press conference setting until April 15th. So that is the end of next week. So, we won't exactly know officially what's going on with Jalen Sneed, but that was the deal. He wasn't practicing. It was nothing beyond that. Uh, we're mostly going to talk about defense today, but running back Logan Diggs also out Saturday. Janarian Price, of course, continues to be out, but they basically had two scholarship running backs, Estime and Jabron Payne out there. I heard Jabron Payne looked pretty good, too. He did. He had a nice day. Had a nice day. Like what is See, that's, that's basically what you, the highlight of the day. That's what you want in a spring practice is if guys are hurt and guys that you don't get often to see when they get their opportunity, they need to step up and show that they can take yeah. those reps. And that, yeah. that helps your team overall because that's pushing everyone and it shows that everyone can perform, you know, it, at the at the you know one reps, quote unquote, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. The the uh, the highlight, the, the 50, 60, however long yard run it was, came a little bit later. He had a nice shorter run of about eight yards or so where he, you know, saw some combination stuff. A little, you know, kind of juke, put his foot in the ground, make the cut up field, and then, you know, kind of power through a, a defender or two for seven or eight yards, something like that. So uh, it, it was. I thought it was a, a pretty good day for Jabron Payne. You're absolutely right. Got to capitalize on your opportunities when you get the chance. So, um, otherwise, let's talk some defense. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, from what I've understood, that the defense kind of was the highlight of the practice and kind of gave the most meat to the practice. And since you were at practice and I wasn't fortunate enough to go, I think that uh, roles should reverse today, and I should start hitting you with the questions. <laughs> You're asking the asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So my first question, I think, and I, you know, overall, kind of big picture is, you know, what was the biggest takeaway from Saturday's practice? I think the biggest thing in is just, you know, first of all, this is just one practice and, you know, it's a week and a half, about a week and a half or so into spring practice. So we shouldn't overreact to anything, I guess, you know, cause it'd be really nice if we had another practice, even a half a practice, you know, to kind of watch in a week or so to compare this one to, but we don't have that. So this is what we've got to go on, but don't overreact. Uh, but the only other part of practice that, you know, that, we're going to get to see is April 14th, a week from Friday, and that'll be, you know, just the first five periods. So it's going to be a lot different than this one where we get to see the full thing. But, you know, it was a day about blitzing and pressuring. And you talked about the defense kind of, uh, you know, running the day a little bit, pressuring the quarterback. I thought it was a good day for the defense. They got some pressure on both Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner. 
made them, you know, kind of have to make some quick reads and decisions, get the ball out quickly, that kind of thing. And mixed bag. And again, we're sticking more to the defense today. But on top of that, the coverage in the secondary, I thought, was really good. You know, I don't know how many times I wrote down Hartman going through, you know, read progressions, you know, or, you know, like looks right, you know, swivels his head back to the left, that kind of thing. Having to go through his progressions because of good coverage that the uh, that the secondary was providing. You know, there was a pass interference or two. You know, there were obviously some plays made and stuff like that. But I just thought the coverage was really good out there. Both the pressures were good by the by the front seven and the coverage was really good by the secondary. So I guess what's interesting to me based off what you say is I'm surprised that, and I get it that it's practice and so you got to work on things, but I'm a little surprised that they're working on blitzes relatively early in the spring um, and throwing them at the offense considering, you know, new quarterback, a lot of new pieces, some guys out. But I get it. Like you you want to still have a productive practice and it's still things that you need to practice. But I guess I'm a little surprised that when I first saw that, you know, a lot of it was blitz packages from the defense. I was a little surprised that they were kind of getting into that so early on in the spring, because I don't really remember. And again, I, I you know, I didn't play for Notre Dame and all that kind of stuff, but I don't ever remember getting into kind of blitz personnel's so early in the spring. And then a second thing that I guess uh, observation that will come off uh, what you just said was it's very important that the secondary can guard on the back end of blitzes. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a very important thing to highlight. Um, Yeah. It's fine. It's great if you can bring, you know, blitzes, but you expose your secondary. And so the secondary has to be able to stand their grounds. Yeah. I think that they were, you know, a lot of different things. One, when you're evaluating quarterbacks, kind of seeing how the quarterbacks were going to react to it. Two, you are essentially running auditions for both guard spots. You've got to replace both guards. So they did, you know, it, it wasn't just all blitzes off the edge and stuff like that. There were pressures up the middle and some different things. I think that they were seeing how those guards, you know, between the guards and some of the combo blocks with the tackles, how they would respond to some of that, you know, so I think that they were doing kind of sprinkling a little bit of that with everything. And I also kind of go back to what Al Golden was talking about last week when we had some of the comments from him about how they've, they've changed some things up, things that he learned from last spring to this spring and maybe kind of what's important, what's not. You're right. Like practice six to be putting in a lot of blitzes and stuff like that, it was a little bit more surprising. I, You know, I was trying to stretch my memory and think, like, we usually don't see a whole lot of this kind of stuff in the spring. But I think it was good for everybody to kind of test people a little bit. And, it, you know, and it, as you said, even the secondary got tested as a result because you have to have good coverage if you're going to blitz. Yeah, and, you know, I guess coming off of that, was there – Anyone that kind of stood out at, at any of those guard positions that, you know, relatively stood their ground or maybe someone that struggled a little bit throughout the day? Well, we were going to save more of the offensive talk for tomorrow, <laughs> but I, I think that I think overall Christophic maybe was a little bit more consistent than Shrouth. Like those were the two main guards who okay. were out there. I, I thought Christophic was a little bit more consistent, but, you know, like we got to see him do not just the team stuff, but also some one-on-one and combo blocks. 
and stuff like that, you know, and the, again, like when you're doing some of those drills, there's some ups and downs and that kind of thing. But between the two, like if I was going to compare one to the other, I, I would say uh, Christophic a little bit more of the edge, I think. I think it shows that if Notre Dame is already kind of working on blitz packages and personnel, that they are comfortable with their overall kind of base defense. Because, again, you don't really get into those things if people aren't fully grasping kind of the bigger overall concepts. And, I mean, sure, like it's one thing if your freshmen don't, you know, jive or get along. But if you're, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors – or kind of, you know, stumbling on some of the basic stuff, then you're not really going to move into blitz personnel. So to me, it shows a positive um, that overall it seems like the defense is maybe being absorbed at a quicker rate and having golden last year and it being year two and this being, you know, the, the first coordinator in three years to be here for two consecutive seasons, that maybe some of that kind of flow and chemistry is building at a quicker pace this season. Sure, sure. I agree. So my next question then leads me to, you know, again, I'm going to say junior T because I am horrible. (laughs) And then I'll start thinking about it. I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to refer to it as junior T for everyone listening. Tui Alamaka. Tui Alamaka. Tui Alamaka. There you go. So junior Tui Alamaka seemed to have many roles in practice yesterday. I know they ran a nickel or sorry, Saturday. I know they ran a nickel package and Notre Dame was lined up in, in some sort of variation of a three, three, five with junior on the defensive line. And then the base defense, we saw junior at Viper. And then he even worked in to some second string interior defensive lineman work, if I'm not mistaken. So my question for you, do you buy or sell junior as being a key part of the defense this season with his versatility that he showed across three positions? Before I answer that, I'll just say I, I see some of the the Maris Leofau and linebacker stuff in uh, in the chat, and we'll get to that here in a minute. I think we we're going to talk a little bit about Maris and, and some of the linebackers and stuff like that. But yeah, as to uh, to Alamaka, one thing I think important to remember, you know, when they put those guys out there on the field, is a lot of the mixing and matching that they're doing since they're determining defensive starters on a practice to practice basis you know so like just because like this group of guys was together you know again it's why it would be nice to have at least one other practice to compare it to like to see okay how much consistency is there you know is this guy always out there with the first team or you know is he sometimes with the second team you know who's always with you know those kind of things would be nice again not complaining it's just that like it gives you a base so you have a better idea we have a better idea of what's going on, but like Tui Alamaka, they list him at 6'2", 247. That's only about five pounds lighter than Justin Adamalola was. So like you can see some of that role on the field that, you know, that's where Justin was. He was the number two Viper behind Foskey. And at least theoretically right now, Tui Alamaka would be the number two Viper behind Botello, you know? So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you can see him filling a lot of these different roles. I think what makes Junior so special and versatile is a lot like Drew when when Drew Tranquil. He reminds me of Drew Tranquil because 
when you move like Drew Tranquil was a safety and got moved down to linebacker, right? And so right. the athleticism is there. And so when you move from linebacker to defensive line, basically what you're saying is we want to utilize that athleticism and maybe he's a step or two like slow as a linebacker, but then when you move him down to defensive line, he then becomes a step or two ahead of everyone else. And so True. I think that is what's going to make Maris differentiate himself this season is he 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 is quick and it's not like he's a slow linebacker he's not just Maris, not junior, junior sorry junior yeah. junior you're thinking he, you're thinking they both have the hair coming out of that right <laughs> but junior is he's he's not slow by any means he's just a little a step behind at linebacker and i think that is going to make him advantageous um on the defensive line especially at a position like a viper because of his athleticism and his experience as a linebacker is he can drop out and cover on some bluff schemes or, you know, drop off right. of the flat and cover, you know, some sort of play. And so I think Maris, I am very high or sorry, not Maris. Why do I keep saying Maris? I, I am know. very high on junior this year for that reason. I think he could do a lot of things in his athleticism, his speed, his strength. I think he can contribute to a lot of things defensively and it never hurts when you can move him around to various different positions on the field. I agree. You know, I, I like what we got to see from him Saturday. He's, he's thick enough and strong enough that he can hold up when he, you know, if he, if he slides inside, like you were talking about, you know, maybe a little bit interior and they've done that kind of stuff before. Yeah. Again, you know, like, like going back to Justin Adamolola and uh, Isaiah Foskey, both being out there on the field, at the same time, you know, like they, they move those guys around a little bit. So you, I, you know, you could easily see that, but you know, again, like he's, he's thick enough where he can go inside, but he's, he's quick enough still to do all that different stuff that you were talking about, whether it's a, a pass rush or dropping off into coverage, which, which the Viper is going to do. So I think he could end up being a, a pretty key at the very least depth piece we know that they want to rotate eight to 10 guys. So I, I think that he can be a guy that ends up playing a lot out there next season. His game and, you know, not to don't take this too far out of proportion. It's not to the same degree, but his game reminds me a lot of, or at least kind of what we saw uh, from practice and what they're trying to do with them. It reminds me honestly, a lot of what the Cowboys do with Micah Parsons. They put him kind of all over the field and it's, you know, de depending on the matchup and again, not to the same degree because, you know, Micah Parsons is in the NFL and he's a little bit skinnier, a little bit quicker, but just the ability to move around and, you know, be in different spots. And then as a, if you put him on the interior, you can do stunts where you're looping him to get him outside. And so he's actually coming off the edge. So mm -hmm. I just, I'm very excited to see what they do with him overall, because I think that he, again, he's, he's got the potential to be very impactful in the defense this season. I agree. I agree. And he's, you know, he was a little bit of an experiment because they really didn't start moving him up until once Gator Bowl practice began. And I think once they did that, that really kind of opened their eyes and said, this could be something going forward, especially again, when you have all these quicker twitch linebackers coming in, like they've got these, these young guys, it just makes sense. And then like you see, you know, like you've, you've seen it before at different levels of football, like Brian Urlacher was a safety in college and he ended up being a hall of fame middle linebacker. Right. You know, and like, like, you know, like 
Sean Lee is another example. I think he was a safety in high school. He became an outside linebacker at Penn State in college, and then he was a middle linebacker or, you know, yeah, more more middle linebacker once he got uh, to the NFL, you know. So it's like you you move those guys forward and you kind of gain some speed and quickness positionally when you do that stuff. Yeah, and especially when we're talking about the college game and, you know, talking about keeping up with USC and their offense last year and Clemson and Ohio State, you need those speed guys on the field that are trying to beat mm-hmm. you and burn you to the edge. And I think just having as many of those type of players um, will be very advantageous for Notre Dame. For sure. For sure. All right. Next question. So Notre Dame has struggled with depth at the interior line position, um, and it, specifically interior run stoppers, you know, guys who are going to clog up the middle. And that's going to be crucial to, I think, this year's defense. Were there any interior defensive linemen that showed the most at practice on Saturday or or someone that really kind of impressed you? Well, definitely the guy I think who had the most eye-opening day was Jason Onye because he's a guy who's played in just one game in his first two seasons. He's going into his junior season now. Didn't come in highly tattered. He was a three-star guy out of Rhode Island, but... He did some strongman stuff out there Saturday. You know, like he's 6'4", 292 pounds. He has good size, and it can't all be Howard Cross. You know, like the the way that Anye played, he looked very strong. You know, he, he had good burst off the snap. He was able to block to struck with his hands. Like he was – he looked like a you – know, Again, like he did man stuff out there. He looked strong <laughs> and he was able to move guys around. And it was it was unexpected, but it's very needed when you when you look at that spot at the nose tackle behind cross, they need someone like Anye to step up, and he's the most logical one with the you know with the size and strength that he showed out there. So that was really good to see. And that's again, that's something crucial because you know, everyone points out maybe the deficiencies of the linebackers last season. And as a former linebacker, I got to show some love and have some sympathy is you got to have guys up the middle who can clog or just at least get their hands on those offensive linemen for a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. So then you as a linebacker can make your read. And that, that one to two steps is important because that's one to two steps that you're either getting to your gap or you're getting blocked just before you get to your gap. And so I think, again, that it's going to be crucial for Notre Dame to have guys that even if they're not making big plays, they're still allowing the linebackers to you know roam a little bit more free in the run game this season. Yeah. I mean, I think Riley Mills looked pretty good, too. He, he was solid last year, but I don't think that he was quite what we thought he was going to be last year. But, you know, he was physical inside as well but you know again like if you talk about pleasant surprises and guys we weren't really expecting to to pop out there Anye would be at the top of the list nice so a little follow-up question that I have did any because we, we talked about um Junior T now um and some Anye was there anything about John Baptiste that surprised you or did he just look like a vet or a guy that kind of knew what he was doing out there you know and I know Brian was kind of talking about like when I hadn't really looked that closely at the roster and Brian 
because obviously we were sitting up there together and he talked about him being 255 and it's like he looks bigger than 255 <laughs> and he plays bigger than 255 you know so that was that was uh that was good as well on that strong side or that big defensive end whatever you want to call it the, you know the opposite, the of, the opposite viper. of the viper yeah exactly like he 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 plays that well he's got some he played with some physicality himself. On and that's that what side. you want on the strong side defensive end is you want a guy who's going to set the edge, be physical, not allow that tackle to reach him and really set the edge, you know, for those run lanes. So it's just good to hear overall that it sounded like the defensive line as a unit had a pretty solid day. And to me, that's the most important position group on the field. And, you know, knowing how it's run now, hockey style, you're just kind of rotating different lines of defensive linemen. And now you want that depth. And the reason why I value the defensive line so much is because they can they can provide security to your secondary mm -hmm. and linebackers. If you're getting pressure, it's just that much longer or sorry, shorter that your secondary has to worry about coverage. And if you're you know, if your defensive line can clog run lanes, it just allows your linebackers again to roam a little bit freer. So. To me, that's got to be the most crucial part of Notre Dame's defensive, you know, kind of overall plan this year is you got to have depth and you got to have more than just, you know, a few guys that are going to be good. And so it's it's good to hear that there are a lot of guys across the board that had strong practice on Saturday. Well, look, after, you know, like the like. Who are the two most under fire coaches on the staff from <laughs> probably from a fan yeah. standpoint, the two L's, right? The defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach. Yeah. And now Washington had something to prove. And now there's still a long way to go, but you know, again, at least initially getting to see something like that and seeing a guy specifically like Anya in Rubio, like, you know, he, he had a solid practice, you know, he didn't, he didn't necessarily come out of nowhere. I think like Anya, but, to see some of these guys who haven't played as much or, you know, very little, if at all, in, in Anya's case, again, he only got to play in the BC game last year. That's it, his first two years. And so to see guys coming on like that where you can see some actual signs of development, that's that's a really good sign because that's what they've got to have on that defensive line. If the, if the defense, the team really, is going to be good next year, those guys have to prove it. And, it's yes. you know, again, it's one practice – early in spring but it's at least a, a a really good first sign i think all right so now that we've kind of you know talked a lot about the defensive line unit i think that it'd be good to transition into to some some of the linebacker work that linebackers. we that you saw on saturday so my first you know again since the theme of defensive practice was blitz packages and pressures my first question right. is what did the veterans show? What did vet veteran linebacker Jack Kaiser show in the blitz game that stood out to you? I definitely liked him blitzing. You know, like he was able to get downhill. First thing I noticed when the linebackers lined up was he and Bertrand being out there together, you know, at, at Mike and Will. And, you know, he's only about five pounds lighter than Bertrand. And I just, I like him so much better playing inside there at Will than at Rover, you know, he was still outside there a little bit, but you know, he, he did a good job, you know, like he did what he was supposed to do. He, he, he made good reads, you know, he got where he was supposed to, to get, you know, he got downhill 
quickly. <laughs> you know, and that's, did a good job. that's an underrated aspect of football that I think a lot of people, you get caught up in the eye candy of the Prince Khalis, the Jalen Sneeds, but there needs to be something for even if he's a step slower, he's getting to where he needs to be. The timing is there. The rhythm of the defense is there. And so, yeah, I know a lot of people are going to be concerned about, oh, I don't want to see Jack Kaiser and J.D. Bertrand, you know, clogging up the linebacker rotation again this year. But I'm sorry if they're doing what they're supposed to and they know the defense. I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with guys who know the defense and guys who can still get to their spots on the field, because that's what the defense is about is getting to your spot on the field so it doesn't affect you know another person essentially it's a right. funnel defense you're funneling the play to someone and you as you're you know in your role need to get to your spot and so I, I I just don't have a big issue with seeing a lot of Bertrand and Kaiser compared to a lot of other people I think yes and we're going to get to a lot of other people here in a second <laughs> but uh, real quick Bill was saying I'm really hoping Ehrensberger has a good season would be a huge help and it's like you know, is he ever going to come on? That's the thing. He was he was flashing a little bit when Mike Elston was still here. There was there was some promise and hearing good things, and then he just completely disappeared last year. And you know he was there Saturday, but nothing really that stood out about what he did. That would be that would be really huge if Ehrensberger could come on. But we're kind of waiting to see that right now still. But you know he's been around. It, you know, he was a really raw project coming in anyway, coming over from Germany and hadn't played as much football, obviously, as, you know, like a your, your traditional, you know, Notre Dame type guy. But it's I, – I hope that he can, but there's still a lot of development there, it seems like, or at least we're still waiting to see some of that development. Yeah, Anthony's right. He was a developmental player. And uh, speaking of of uh, Anthony, he uh, where did it go? He was basically oh here it is. How hard is it for me to turn over the Q and A to Jesse? I mean, it's when a little bit different with, when I come up with straight thought provoking questions. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, that leads me to my next question. Staying oh, okay. With, now this staying... is going to be probably the one that like blows everything up, right? <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be the one. So sticking to the linebacker room, you know, we know Bertrand and Kaiser, we know kind of Maris is stuck there in the middle. And then you kind of have, you know, right now, uh, Kali and Sneed kind of in that third kind of tier. So my question is, it, it seems, you know, based off what I gather kind of read, that Maris didn't have necessarily a great practice, but it didn't seem like he had a horrible one at the same time. Basically kind of his season in a nutshell last year, in my, in my opinion. So my question is, how much longer until Maris is passed up and runs out of kind of his opportunities? Because it seems like he's not doing enough to separate himself. Yeah, and you know, like Jeff was asking, you know, Maris not making any plays is concerning. Basically, looks like last year, kind of, you know, just what you're saying in your question. And you know, he was out there Saturday at practice, but you had to look for him, you know, to really notice him on the field most of the time because it, just to your point, and to, you know, to the to 
that point, it didn't look a whole lot different from last year, unfortunately. And I don't know if it's his instinct, being unsure of assignment, you know, whatever it happens to be, you know, it's like, you know, you were talking about being a funneling defense and he's, he, he wasn't completely out of place, but I think like you alluded to, he was not making plays out there. And like, you look at his tackle total from last year and he wasn't making enough plays out there for a guy who played as much as he did. It's hard to tell exactly where he stands in comparison to these other guys, because we didn't have Snead out there Saturday to compare him to, you know, because like just based on the body of work that we have with Leofel so far, he seems like a guy who could very easily be, you know, a Bo Bauer, like on every special teams kind of guy. And that would be great for him. Simple reads and assignments. You get on kickoff coverage, you run fast, you stay in your lane, you go down and you try to make a play at the end of a kickoff, you know, that kind of thing. But again, you can't just disregard him because he's not necessarily making plays when we don't know exactly what those other guys look like because we don't have a, a we we've got a body of work with with Maris because he's been playing on Saturdays. We saw what that looked like last year. We saw what that looked like. I guess it's three seasons ago now. You know the one before his injury season, but. We just we we don't know what those other guys look like, so we don't have anything to compare it to. Like, would they be that much better than him out there? So I don't know. It's it's a little bit of an incomplete for me. I don't I, I don't know how much longer they go. But I, I'll tell you this: like I I do like Kaiser. Like I said, playing better inside than I like him right now. I think that Maris, like you were saying, I think there's just he, he's got to either figure it out or kind of find a way to mold him into something that can be more useful on the defense, like maybe a junior T route or maybe like you were talking about a Bo Bauer route where you kind of you bulk up and you're you're kind of that thumper run stopper kind of guy in the middle of the defense on a lot of running downs are. You know, I just I don't see him as a career special teams guy if the if things don't improve for him. And honestly, with how things are going right now in the college football landscape, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes maybe a transfer portal guy if he doesn't, you know, find his kind of home within this defense. Because, again, it just seems like not that he's necessarily struggling, but he's just not doing anything to make a lot of impactful plays. He's just kind of right. there, essentially, at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. And and I get it, you know, like, that is what is probably the most frustrating for, uh, you know, for everybody concerned. Well, cause you can see him. the talent it's there. Yeah. <laughs> the athleticism is definitely there. Yeah. And two, I guess it was, you know, the, the, when he, when he ended up breaking the ankle and being injured for the entire season, Marcus Freeman season as defensive coordinator. He was the guy who was standing out at fall training camp. Like, Maris Leofel looked like he had arrived and he was going to have this huge season. So I, I don't know how much that plays into I I just, I don't know. He he definitely does not look like that guy. That's not the guy that we've seen for the last season. Now. And maybe that's a part of it. You know, a big injury like that, it just, whether you subconsciously know it or not, it can hinder you from just playing at your fastest possible 
carefree kind of way. And it seems like that is something that Maris was good at in the beginning is just trusting his natural instincts, playing the game of football and allowing his body just to, mm-hmm. to read and react. And it seems like now he's react, read, read, react. You know, it's just, there's too much going on. I think upstairs uh, considering everything that we've seen. Bill says that uh, he should do the opposite, like the Seinfeld <laughs> episode. Just give that a try. Whatever the I know you love that. That's is. a big Seinfeld <laughs> shout out. That's right. That's right. Uh, hey, hey, you know, Michael echoing what we said earlier. Practice six can't over exaggerate a practice. You're right, but you know, again, it's one practice. And so we don't, you know, there's, there's a lot that we don't have. Well, it's it, it's just one to. practice specifically with Maris that correlates well, with, him, with 12 yeah. data points last year. Yeah, exactly. It exactly. falls in line of the trend. Yep. And that's just unfortunate. Like no one wants that. It's just right. Unfortunate. Okay. Sticking to linebackers again, my last linebacker question for you. What impressed you the most when looking at the linebacker trio of Bowen, Osbury and Zinter? Uh, I, I would say Drake Bowen, you know, he's the one of the three who stood out the most. He's got the most quick twitch, athleticism, change of direction, recovery speed, all that kind of stuff. Like you were talking about Micah Parsons earlier. He reminds me of a more raw version oh, of wow. Micah Parsons, just like with the explosiveness, you know, like the makeup speed and stuff like that. Like he, you know, there was one time where, you know, he kind of, he, I can't remember who it the, the running back got by him and he had to kind of put on the brakes and he ended up, you know, running him down, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, there's, there's that, but you know, the thing with him is it's still very raw. He's just a freshman early enrollee. So I'll be, you know, I'll be curious to see how they approach him this year. Like if they pre- try to preserve the year of eligibility or if they put him on a bunch of special teams to take advantage of that athleticism and, and everything that he has. But I mean, he's, He's a football player. For him, it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out the intricacies of the defense. And I think that it's like that with all three of these freshmen, you know, like a, a bit of that with Osbury. He was playing Rover out there and, you know, maybe like a step or two, you know, slow from a processing standpoint and really no different with Zinter. He would probably be at the lower end of the spectrum, you know, just in terms of, you know, between the three, knowing where he was supposed to be and and that kind of thing. And again, it's like, it's a complicated defense. I think for the most part, all the veterans were playing a lot faster in this defense uh, that we got to see out there than what we saw for for good chunks of last season. So I I think that that is a really good sign. But for these young guys, it's going to take a little while still. But it's it's very good to hear that Bowen was at the top of – athleticism you know plays and being at the in terms of the freshman and being at the top of kind of having the most knowledge of what was going on it seemed like mm-hmm. he led kind of both fronts of you know knowing what's going on and just kind of making some wild plays because I think I read it somewhere that I mean he was running man-to-man on a wheel route on a running back and I for those out there that is a very very hard task for a stationary linebacker to get into the hip pocket of a running back on a wheel route. I got Get burned in, in a spring game off a, off a running back kind of not even a wheel route, just basically a vertical out of the backfield. And it, it is not fun. 
it showed up on tape and it's just it's a hard task it is I a bet, hard task i bet it is <laughs> all right last defensive question we got to get into the little uh you know maybe some secondary here are there any other guys on the defensive side of the ball that stood out that wasn't mentioned uh, you know, in, in our linebackers and kind of defensive line talks. I was going to say, I mentioned uh, John Baptiste. I, I'd say the secondary, you know, I saw the, I saw somebody talking about Mickey, you know, grabbing and, and stuff like that. I thought he had a solid day out there. I, I thought he had an improved day from what, you know, what we were able to see of him. He was kind of a spring star last year. But uh, again, I thought the secondary played really well. I thought Clarence Lewis, had a pretty good day out there. Mickey was at the field. You know, Benjamin Morrison was, you know, just Benjamin Morrison on the boundary. But I thought those guys looked pretty good out there. The safeties, you know, were solid. There there were no – there was nothing busted at the back end. Depth is, you know, still just going to be the biggest thing with the safeties. But I, I came away, you know, like you can – again, you know, like you can talk about Mickey – clutching and grabbing or whatever i mean a lot of cornerbacks do that <laughs> kind of taught that in some respects yeah i just i came away with a pretty good pretty good vibe on him so nothing bad to say about that well that concludes uh my defensive yes, question. <laughs> yeah should we should, should we flip the script back over all right, well, that's going to do it for tonight. Appreciate you joining us here this evening. Hit that like button if you would on your way out, and we will talk to you tomorrow. We've got more Notre Dame football talk, of course, on tomorrow's show and later this week as well. We'll talk to you then on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.